Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Hi, I'm Victoria Williams, and today's scripture reading is from Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms so that we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Vine community. Uh, it's great to be with you, and it was really great last Sunday. For those of you who are able to join us for our outdoor service, uh, just so good to actually see one another. Um, I had to hold back on hugging. I just, I'm a hugger, so I wanted to give everybody a hug, but knew that I shouldn't. But anyway, just so good for us to be together. Um, and thankful, though, that we can, uh, when we don't have those opportunities, um, that we can do this online. Uh, today is my first day doing this uh, the sermon this way, and, and Mark is let me use his special clicker. So we'll see if I click it right. <clears throat> if it goes right, right slide goes with what I'm talking about. If it doesn't, we'll just keep going on. Friends, we're in our second uh, Sunday in our sermon series on the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians is a short book, just six chapters, but it is just so rich. As Mark shared last week, Paul begins in chapter one with praising God for for who he is and what he's done. And then he also shared uh, this prayer for the Ephesians as well for us, that we may grow in, in wisdom and revelation, that we might know God better. And what a wonderful prayer that is just for us to adopt in, in our own lives, um, for our family and friends, and for our divine church as a whole. Today we're going to be camping out in the first 10 verses of chapter 2. Now, these might be very familiar um, to some of you. I believe they give us some of the most clear and beautiful and just a complete understanding of, of what the gospel is. And in these verses, we're, they answer three questions for us that I want us to focus on. And the first one is, is what is our condition? What's our diagnosis? And the second one would be, what did God do about it? And the last question would be, why did he do it? 
Uh, the first question, what is our condition? What is our diagnosis? When, we, when you go to the doctor, you want to get a, a clear diagnosis, especially if it's a, a life and death matter. So again, Paul is going to tell us here what is our condition naturally um, apart from God. We know that God created people in his image to experience a relationship with him. Um, we also know in, in Genesis chapter 3 that when sin entered and the effect it has, has had on all of us. So what's the diagnosis um, for us? If we look here at verse 1, um, Paul begins with saying, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. Um, Paul saying that we were dead, not that we had a disease or that we were dying, but that we are dead. That's the most bleak diagnosis that you can receive. Now, what does Paul mean here when he says that we are dead because of our disobedience and our many sins? Because if I'm honest, I look around at people and we all look pretty much alive. Um, yes, there's limitations of COVID, but there are people going to the UT football game yesterday. If you go down to Town Lake or Zilker, there's always people walking their dogs, jogging and running. And um, with working at home, I think our neighborhoods have become more alive uh, than ever. So when I look around the city of Austin, again, I see that people uh, seem alive. So again, what does Paul mean by this? And I think he's talking about a very particular way of being dead. Again, like in verse 1, he said... You were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. And both of those have to do with how we relate to God. In disobedience, we disobey. We, and in sin, it's a, a falling short. It's missing the mark. So we're walking in disobedience and in sin. And what so Paul's saying here is that we're both rebels and in failures. And so aren't you glad that you tuned in today? Um, not super positive right away here, but this is our natural life apart from God's influence that we would rebel against him and that we would fail in his standards. Um, and consequently, we'd be cut off from God. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, uh, we read that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we are dead as it relates to God and dead meaning we are unresponsive to him. Um, to live as if God doesn't exist. Uh, and that kind of deadness is that Paul's talking about here is one of the, the saddest things, if you think about it, because we are created by God and for God, but then to live as if there is no God, that's sad. But what does it look like when he's talking about this being dead? And, and Paul describes a little bit more here um, in verses 2 through 3. Paul says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So Paul is mentioning here uh, three, three things, uh, the world, um, the devil, and our flesh. And the world and society and culture, it's, um, it's in a sense operating um, with an ignorance towards that God even exists. And for the devil, he disobeyed God from the very beginning, and he wants everyone else to disobey. So we have these two influence of this spiritual influence and this worldly influence in our lives. 
And he also mentions one other thing that holds us captive, and that is our desires, our passions, and our lusts of the flesh. Now, the word flesh doesn't only mean the body, but it also means, in a sense, this self-centeredness, that our our flesh is consumed with almost a self-promotion, that what's in it for me? How does it serve me? Never mind God and other people. The flesh, when we live in that, it's putting ourselves on the throne where, where God should rightfully be. And here's what can be so deceptive about this, and, and the devil is all about deception, um, and that is that self-centeredness at times can, can look really good and look really moral. When I, and that's when I do good um, so that I look good. So it, when that's happening, it's possible that we don't even recognize our condition. We, we might think that everything's fine and not realizing there's something um, within us that is killing us. Um, and so we put ourselves only where God deserves to be. And the end to that, as Paul is very clear about, is spiritual death. It's bleak. And it doesn't get any worse than that. And it's a spiritual death that we have no chance at saving ourselves so that's, that's the diagnosis. And the second one is, what did God do about it? Um, let's look here at, at beginning in verse 4. And it's, the, it starts with two of my favorite words in the Bible, but God. Whenever you read those two words, but God, yeah, we need to lean in. Because those two words, are they're, they're filled with hope. And they're about to paint just an amazing contrast. It means that all that we just read about that Paul shared and how bleak our diagnosis is, is that that's not the final word in the situation. As we continue to read here in verse 4, But God is so rich in mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. So what did God do for spiritually dead people? He made us alive. He did what dead people can't do for themselves. Only God can do that. And and, and what Paul is telling us here that I think is so amazing is that God did the exact same thing for us when we were dead as he did for Jesus. When Jesus was dead, he rose him from the dead, the resurrection. And then he ascended him to heaven, and then he sitteth at the right hand of God the Father. We believe these things about Jesus. But what, look at what Paul says here in verse 6. He begins saying, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. He seated us in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Even though we are spiritually dead, God made us alive together in Christ. And a theme that you'll see through, through this book of Ephesians that Paul talks about is that we are saved by grace. And that God raised us up with him and and seated us with him. So that's all to say that what is true about Jesus is true of us. But here's what can get a little confusing. Paul talks about these things as in the past tense, like they've already happened. But how can that be? I can't have been risen from dead if I haven't died yet. And I'm not in heaven right now because I'm right here right now. But while these have not happened yet... We can live in the hope of the here and not yet. But what we do know is that we have the same power available that Jesus had because the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 
now dwells in you and me. Let that sink in. That means I don't have to be ruled by my desires and my sinful nature. And it also has the hope that one day my body will be raised like Jesus. That death does not have the final word. Again, that there's great hope in the here and now and the not yet. Now, it is wonderful to know these truths about ourselves, but sometimes uh, it can feel just a, a little bit out there. Sometimes I think, I know I do, need something like a little bit more um, tangible. And I think God wants us, that, us to have that too. He wants us to experience being alive in Jesus right now in our daily lives, just that taste and the joy of being a new creation in Christ here on earth. So I want us to now to skip down to verse 10. We read these words, For we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. The, the Greek word for, for that, for masterpiece, it's a poema. And it means a, a poem. It's where we get our word poem or poetry from. That means that we are the poetry of God, that we are God's work of art. Isn't that amazing? And what do we know about work of arts? That not only are they beautiful, not only do they draw us in, but we also know that they're an expression of the artist. We think of Beethoven, Michelangelo, and Shakespeare's poetry. We just marvel at them. I also marvel at somebody uh, in our own Vine community, uh, and that's Jim Stafford. For those who don't know Jim, you got to get to know him. And he's part of our leadership team. Jim has just such a servant heart for others. And one of the things Jim loves to do, and I'd say it's more than a hobby, um, is his woodworking. And he's awesome at it. He he loves loves to teach others. He loves to do it. And he was sharing with me this week that um, after he, he makes something, at the end there's this just sense of pride in what he's created that he's taken two ordinary, or maybe more than that, ordinary pieces of wood, and that he has made something that's not only beautiful, but that has purpose. And that's what Paul is saying here, that when God created us in Christ Jesus, that he made something beautiful that we would marvel at, that we would look in the mirror and say, God, I can't believe what you're doing in my life. feel like I'm this random part of these ugly smudges on a canvas that you brought together and made this beautiful picture. How did you do that? How did you uh, make me your masterpiece? Again, you are God's masterpiece. I I can't say that enough. My question for you is, do you believe that? And if I'm honest, there are many days that I don't. That sadly, I lean towards the opposite of feeling that... um, I'm, I'm, I'm his flawed artwork, right? That he made a mistake, that I, I look at all my shortcomings. But when I do that, friend, that's a lie. And that, that's not from God. Um, that's from the devil who wants to deceive me into believing that. But friends, it is a game changer when, when you truly believe that God smiles upon you, that he marvels at you, that you are his masterpiece. And it can not only change, radically change how you view and how we should view ourselves, but also, how do we view others? Do we view others as God's masterpiece? Now, when, if we are God's um, artwork, how does he show off um, its beauty? 
how does he do it? Um, it's, it's simple here in the second part of that same verse, verse 10, that we are um, his masterpiece. He goes on to, Paul goes on to say, God created us in Christ Jesus so we could do good works, good things that he planned for us long ago. And we should never, in a sense, get over that truth because we need to always be remembering that we who are dead are now made alive in Christ to do good works for his glory. Because we were once walking in disobedience, in our sins, in our selfishness, and now walking with God to join in with him in the good works that he has uh, prepared. Friends, he's called us to live what I would call beautiful lives. And what I mean by that is lives that are ones that lay down our life for others, put others' interests before our own. Um, Mark and I have shared before at weddings the, the, a line that says, my life for yours. Um, and may that go beyond that. Again, it's putting someone else before you. A beautiful life is one of, that seeks to serve other people. Um, one uh, beautiful life is someone who's generous with their time and with their resources, just with all that they have. One that forgives others. Forgiveness is so powerful. And a beautiful life, when I think of it too, is, is someone who is investing in others. Victoria Williams, who read our scripture this morning, um, about, I think it was a year and a half ago, I approached Victoria and I asked her if she would pray about and consider mentoring our youngest daughter, Holly. And she did just that. And then she let me know that Yes, she would want to do that. And I share it with Holly, and at first she was a little resistant. But those two, for the past, it's again, more than a year and a half, um, have been meeting every week. And if they're out of town for whatever reason, they'll, they'll jump on, um, on their phones. Or even during COVID, they didn't let that stop them as well. But she is investing intentionally into Holly's life, um, praying with Holly, praying for her, studying God's Word, just talking about life and the challenges and the struggles and the joys that, that she might be facing. Um, and she is continuing to show Holly that, Holly, you are God's masterpiece. And when I think of the good works that God has prepared for all of us, I really do believe that it, part of that is intentionally investing in others. And that will look different for all of us. But to intentionally invest in other people... Um, Mark and I and, and the leadership team, we're praying that that truly becomes a part of the DNA of the vine, a more, a, a larger part, shall I say, of the, the DNA. So friends, God doesn't just save us um, so that we'd go to heaven to be able to be with him for eternity, but also for the here and now. Um, he's restoring us with to do these good works. And if you look at these, this text, these 10 verses, you'll notice something Who's the primary actor? It's God. Everything is his work. As we think it through, he, he, he made us alive. He raised us. He seated us with Christ in heavenly places. He saves us. He created us to do good works that what? That he prepared for us to do. So if we review real quick, what was our condition? We were dead. What did God do about it? He made us alive. And let's end with this. Why did he do it? And there is um, one word that I think can answer that question, and that is grace. What is grace? We see it here in verse 8. 
where Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this, for it's a gift of God. And I love what Dallas Willard writes when he says this um, about grace. That grace is God acting in our life to do what we cannot do on our own. Grace is what we live by, and the human system won't work without it. The saint uses grace like a 747 burns gas on takeoff. I love that idea of that grace is fuel. It's how we're meant to live and to operate. As Paul shared earlier, that sin cuts us off um, from that source of life. But then grace comes in, and, and it's a gift. And in verse 7, Paul says that God gives it out of his incredible wealth. That means he just lavishes it um, upon us with his grace. And as we grow and as we continue to follow Jesus and experience spiritual growth and as we mature in Christ, friends, we don't wean ourselves off grace. But rather, like he says, we burn it like fuel. We live in it. We consume it. Now, if we're honest, and I'll speak for myself, I don't always have a natural bend um, towards grace. There's something deep in us that we want people to get what they deserve. But friends, that's not how salvation works. Again, left to ourselves, yes, we're spiritually dead. But God, being rich in his mercy, because he loves us, made us alive in Christ. It's in salvation that we get what we do not deserve. It's God's gift of grace where God takes us who were once dead and transforms us into his masterpiece and that allows us to join him in the good works that he has prepared for us to do. Again, it's not because of what we do or who we are or what choices we make, but it's because of his grace, his grace alone.